Hey there, McLovin. This is Inyash. Hey, Inyash. This is Steven. Steven, great movie. Why are you McLovin today? Uh, I forgot to think of a name, and they're talking all the sexy talk stuff. There was a memorable line from the movie Superbad, where it was uh, Jonah Hill. And he's like, we don't want chicks in college to think that we suck dick at fucking pussy. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot that line. I feel like that's, that's basically what he's trying to say to Chris this whole this whole chapter. So yeah, yeah, it's uh <laughs> high charisma move, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, well, what do we do here on this podcast? What what, what is this? Yeah, yeah, this is it. Makes sense if you understand decision theory, where you and I sit down every week to discuss Kelsey Piper and Eliezer Yudkowsky's Glowfic Project Lawful. Indeed we do. If you are enjoying this, you can subscribe and review and recommend us to other people, or you can give us money on the Patreon. We love that. Money's a great thing. Um, Yep, that's it. Shall we get into listener feedback? Yeah, let's do it. Did you see in Keiko's document where the next chapter was labeled illustrious hosts do not read before recording episode 10? I did indeed. That was so great. Thanks, Keiko. Yeah, you're the man. And also, uh, it was mentioned in the Discord that, yeah, Keiko does just about all the breaks and the naming of the chapters and all that, sometimes with a bit of comment from other people, but mostly Keiko. Oh, thanks. I was, I was looking that up right now, actually, as you're talking. So, uh, yeah, man, total badass. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We owe you one. I don't know how to repay that. Yep. This would be so much more trouble without, without all your work. So thank you. <laughs> I will grab this first feedback here from The One Butcher. Finally clicked for me that the reason for the great screen was that they needed to stamp out an incredibly dangerous and violent memetic hazard. An info hazard so dangerous it killed literally billions and damaged the intelligence of billions more. It was called religion and caused the true death of billions by convincing them that they didn't need cryonics. That's a fun so, idea. Like, I think in a world of like median Yudkowskis, though, religion would not be very convincing, right? That's sort of my thing. Is like we're we're doing away with it here on our Earth, and we're you know a bunch of mouth breathing morons compared to the Dothalan Dothalanians, right? I disagree that we're doing away with it. I think we're it's evolving into other forms now instead mm-hmm. of going away, which is unfortunate. That's true, but the nuns and those poles keep keep going up over over the years. The nuns? Oh, 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 the nuns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because people, you know, aren't part of a a church anymore, but they latch on to different types of religion. Right. None as an N-O-N-E. Uh, the people who check what, you know, when they ask what's your religion, they say none. Uh, when you said nuns in polls, I literally thought both um, the wrong homonyms for those words. And I imagined like, you know, a Catholic nun climbing a flagpole for some reason. Uh, I thought you were going to say stripper nuns, but close enough. Oh, okay. That would have been better. <laughs> I just, I don't have any sexual connotation to those nuns. It's a fetish I never, never understood. Me either. Now I'm picturing Mother Teresa on a stripper pole. So thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Damn it. Let's, uh, you want to hit this next one by Chumich? Zumich? I was going to say the other butcher or the second butcher because the first mm-hmm. one's the one, but yeah. Uh, Zumich or however, sorry. Uh, consider Voldemort. Voldemort is evil, yet he is very annoyed by the quote, lawless mess that is a magical Britain. He would like if the beings in it stood taller, smarter, clarified, and free, but not because he's good, just because he hates being surrounded by idiots. That is a persuasive point. Yeah, I, I like it too. I, I'm i still thinking that um, Carissa is Hermione as raised by Voldemort, but uh, this is a, a darn good point that maybe, you know, lawfulness is uh, could push one towards being more, making things less, less of a mess rather than just goodness. Yeah, the differentiated between good and evil on that is like do you want people to stand taller and more clarified and free for their own sake or for yours 
Yes. If it's just for yours because you got sick of, you know, all these morons, then, you know, you stand in line with Voldemort. But Dumbledore wants the same thing, right? Yeah, but I'm reminded of Harry's Harry's statement that um, being used in a way that makes you better is what it means to be used by a friend. Yeah, that might have been Voldemort talking. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Draco's reply was like, even I know that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, poop. I can't. Yeah, that may be true. Well, you know, uh, it's it's a good debate. Um, it is. I think this is all from uh, Zumik is how I'm going to say it. Uh, yes. I personally hadn't encountered hair pulling in another context than it's painful. I would have naively believed that wants to pull hair implies wants to inflict pain. Yeah, I found that interesting. I guess either that's a cultural divide or maybe someone who's still pretty young. It, I don't know. I know at least it, a couple it, people who for whom it's really painful, even like if you just pull a bit. Yeah, there's some people that don't like it. And, you don't do it with them. And so if that's your, you know, if that's the kind of people you've been with or whatever, and they don't like it and you don't like it, then that's kind of like all the data points you really need to think, oh, people don't like this. <laughs> yeah. But it strikes me as if someone had never heard that uh, about hair pulling in a sexual context, that is fun, then might be like either inexperienced or a very different culture that is more sexually repressed. Eh, could be. Could be. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think back to what I was like when I was 14, 15, and I, I believed in a lot of the women don't really like most sex sort of rhetoric. You, you know, the stuff that you're taught when you're a kid, right? Well, and yeah, um, the stuff that's reinforced a bit as an adult too. Uh, yeah. And I'm trying to think of like other contexts that I've seen hair pulling, you know, in a lot of pornography, it doesn't look comfortable. Even if you're not very sheltered, it's reasonable to think that, oh, this is because the you know person pulling the hair is an asshole. I guess. I guess I don't watch that that porn. I don't. I don't see a lot of it, but I've. I'm trying to think of where, seen where I've it seen before. it outside of like personal life. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to read too much into Zoomix background on that, other than you know, interesting uh, perspective. I'm glad to see it's vindicated outside of just Keltham. All right, and finally, uh, Zoomix says we got confirmation that Keltham is not a virgin. Yeah, boy. He paid, for se- <laughs> he paid for sex six times and was paid for sex twice. Presumably, there were also some times when no one had to resort to bribery. To be fair, he never had sex with a non-Dathalani, so he is a virgin in that sense. The wormhole you know? loophole. <laughs> Damn it, Stephen. <laughs> you know exactly what that triggered in my head. Yes. Uh, um, I wonder why he has paid for sex. Like, if he was annoying somebody and sex is like just free trade, they could be like, look, if I blow you, will you go away? You know. I seriously doubt that was it. I think probably just someone was like, this Keltham guy, you know, I, I want to see what sex with him is like. And he was like, eh, I'm not really into it. And they're like, would you be into it for hundred bucks? And he's like, yeah, okay, I guess for hundred bucks. Well, $5 is $5. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I assume he would be at least not repulsed by the idea. He does give off what reads to us like virgin vibes. And maybe that's just because sex on Dothalon is so suppressed and so different. I'm getting more and more the impression that people on Dothalon are horribly repressed and uh, might be much more like Keltham, where they they do a lot of really kinky shit and nobody ever talks about it. Yeah, I'm guessing that uh, Dothalon has, like, in its whatever universe that there's more writing of it in, like, has its own set of cool problems. Just because it would be boring setting if they were all like, yep, we solved alignment 300 years ago and everything's great now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely got, like... Let's take some Yudkowskian tendencies, turn them up to 11, and then 
see how things could go awry. That that strikes mm-hmm. me as what's going on there. Yeah, but he definitely he feels like maybe it's just because he's interacting with Earth typical girls, and in Dothalan he might be giving off like serious Chad vibes. But it, it, the way he interacts <laughs> with with girls that are more our hundred IQ style and have Earth culture norms very much feels awkward and. Feeling awkward around girls is basically what virgin vibes come off as, right? Yeah, it's funny because he has all the charisma of a, like a total Chad, right? Mm. Um, but he he talks like somebody who just talks the talk. But hey, he he's apparently walked the walk. So, and again, yeah. this was judgment free. This was me just guessing that he was going to eventually come out and say, you know, I this is actually my first time. Um, but no, I guess not. Good for him. Makes me wonder if like fucking Ben Franklin, if he showed up in China, would be giving off major virgin vibes instead of, you know, I fuck the queen's sister vibes. Probably right up until he attended his first sex party. <laughs> right. That guy fucked. Yeah. Yes, he did. Um, uh, there was a bit of back and forth in the discord in the discord about uh, what counts as sadism and what not does not because you and me were very much on the, you know, they're talking about hair pulling like it's a big thing. That seems really cute. Uh, I guess my comment on this is just I think really mild and common things like hair biting and back scratching are so common that they don't trigger the SM kink category in my brain. Does a person have X or Y personality trait or psychopathology? Well, if they check four of these nine boxes, then yes, right? I, I think you'd have to be at least one standard deviation away from the median for it to start being something that someone would call you. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, you know, I don't know how far one standard deviation on, on sadism is, what that means, but I think it's probably more than hair pulling. I think you're probably right. Unless, like you said, it's, you know, the grabbing the hair and violently shaking them around the room, which is more than just hair pulling in a sex sense. Right. All right. Let's get into the content. Let's do it. Uh, before she gets into hair pulling, she's still uh, just salivating over the prospect of getting one of those intelligence boosting headbands. Mm-hmm. And... The, the line here, Carissa needs to be smarter and not for the first time in the last three hours is really terrified that she will not live to acquire the headband that'll do it. <laughs> um, I Her obsession with it is kind of fun and I like that the priest uh, calls it out as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I'd probably be as obsessed with these things if they existed the moment I learned that they were around. In fact, I bought one of the first, uh, in fact, maybe the first commercially available line of uh, transcranial direct current stimulation units. Ooh, how uh, did it work? It was not the the magic brain uh, boost that it was marketed as. Oh. The thing is, this wasn't even marketed that way. I, I, I remember reading like somewhat scholarly uh, reports of people's experiences with them that weren't from like this the sales website. This was like before they even before I even found that they were for sale. Um, and uh, it it was meh. I mean, I didn't notice like any huge boon when I had it on, uh, okay. and I used it a ton. But yeah. over the last, I got it when I was God like twenty. But anyway, it's funny because like, you know, she says she wants to be smarter and that she wants this headband. Like there are other ways to get smarter, right? She's learning techniques now to be smarter. Yeah, but this is just like a direct boost to raw intelligence. That's pretty fucking epic. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. But it's like, I think that she's visualizing it like it's the kind of thing that she thinks, oh, I'll finally be there when I have it. Like that's what, you know, then I'll I'll have made it. It's like people chasing Mm. happiness, right? Okay. I don't, maybe. I mean, she wants it really, really badly, but. I think she wants it for instrumental reasons rather than because she thinks it'll make her happy. I think you're probably right. I mean, I really wanted whatever Tears of the Kingdom when it came out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was more of like, uh, well, it was instrumental to my happiness. 
but yeah, yeah. um he i also I, oh go, oh, ahead. go ahead nope oh me you <laughs> go ahead <laughs> Okay. Uh, Farrer also calls out that wizards specifically have total bullshit around these headbands. They think, what for some reason, when the headbands are involved, they think the normal rules of Asmodeus's uh, tyranny don't apply, and they, no matter how good they are following the rules generally, they just get crazy about this. And, I mean, I I totally understand that, because I have played a wizard before i often play wizards in fact in role-playing games and intellect is their primary stat it makes you better at everything it is you that is all you want if you can get a raw boost intellect like that that is huge i am not at all surprised that they would be absolutely addicted and think that the normal rules don't matter and treat it more like when someone's like okay i'm gonna take your child away now like my child no fuck you everything else i'm on board with but you don't get to take my child yeah Picture like Harry's attachment to his time turner times five. And I think that actually makes sense. Because yeah. like you said, Int is the base stat for wizardry. Yeah. And they're going to just be more powerful with it. And presumably, you know, beyond mere magic prowess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, super into it. Yeah. Um, well, um, speaking of fairer, my, my lol, my lol, I don't know how to pronounce the word names. I called him priest oh, guy you? in my notes until I saw that you put in his actual <laughs> name in, in the show notes. So I changed online to fairer. <laughs> okay. Well, fairer is the headest priest that we have met so far level four priest here. And he has a face cast. Uh, this is the first we've seen of him and he doesn't have that much to say just now. Certainly not nearly as much as Elias has done. I wonder if he's from another Glowfic. And uh, they already had a face cast for him. For That'd be kind of fun. Uh, yeah. It's funny. He looked vaguely familiar, but I couldn't place him. If you hover over the face cast, it brings up that it's from 1984. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that says Insock behind him. So we know where they got it from anyway in terms of movie. The fact that he says like oh. he's in the inner circle and that is his tag as well. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Nice. So, I can dig it. Feels very much like this must have come from something before. Perfect. Yeah, he's he's fun. I liked his, you know, his thoughts and the things that he said. Like, I guess I'm saying, well, I liked when we were in his POV and when we weren't. He seemed like a fun guy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he felt very much like that security had a security from um um. What was the TV show with Parks and Rec guy with the mustache? Awesome dude. What's oh, his name? Uh, Nick Offerman. Yes, the the one with Nick Offerman. I think that he devs. Devs, yes. Oh, yeah. Did you finish that show, by the way? I have one episode left. Oh, let me know. I hated it, but that was just me. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I I really enjoyed how it started. It's okay now. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to hating it when we get to the end. And, you know, it could just be I took it wrong. So I'd I'd be curious if you have a different take. Don't let me taint your uh, view of it too much. But he, this guy strikes me very much like the the security head of security from that show, where he's just very matter of factly do, does whatever needs to get done, and is like, I I don't have time to fuck around. I'm just here to do my shit. Yeah, that guy struck me as like the discount version of Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad. Yeah, he struck. Well, I wouldn't say discount version. He struck me as just like another actor doing the same character. I don't know. It was kind of, it just reminds me of that meme of like, I want Mike Ehrman Trout. We have Mike Ehrman Trout at home. And then the one at home is this guy. Uh, <laughs> nice. Cause he, he was, he was like Mike, just less cool at everything, but it was a different right, show. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, he wasn't a trained assassin. Yes. Um, he was trying to work somewhat within the law. I think he actually received a paycheck. <laughs> than yeah. Just bags of money. So, <laughs> yep. Um, but, uh, fair. He's, it's interesting. I think we see the difference between like him and the high priestess. He's trying to, you know, so this is who Chris or Carissa goes to for uh, counseling 
because she was having that crisis of faith slash confusion in the previous episode. And he's thinking his second thought is about a distinction he was warned about, that they've been instructed to prioritize Savar as if she were Asmodeus's own fourth circle cleric, not to answer as if she were one. Yeah. And like, this seems like the kind of overthinking bullshit that the high priestess has no patience for, right? <laughs> Maybe so. We're supposed to, we're supposed to prioritize her, not like help her. We're supposed to yeah. like, you know, if she wants to cut in line, she can, but we don't have to serve her when she gets to the front of the line. Uh, right. It's like, no man, that, that's implied. I think, you know, <laughs> I think so too, but I think he's also thinking she does not have the, the knowledge, the background that you would get normally going through circles one through three as a cleric. So maybe that's what he means that he has to take that into account and not answer exactly as if she has all that other knowledge and clearances. That's a good point. Not just yeah, to not skip too far ahead of the line. And, you know, to his credit, this is a note that I took, you know, in order at the time he does go past that and he's as forthcoming, I think, as he can be. So, yeah, yeah. I love this comment that he thinks. Um, I don't think he says this out loud, uh, but he says, uh, Phorasma exists. So Asmodeus is just enforcing the rules that she made when he tortures a soul in hell. He is being lawful evil and not just evil, uh, which remind me, reminded me of the atheism wars along the lines of like, if the devil exists, it's literally because God wants him to. <laughs> uh, he is omnipotent and omniscient. Things can't happen that he doesn't want to have happen. Like this is everything is ultimately boils down to what God wants. And Verasma is the God of this universe. She created it. And everyone that is tortured in hell is tortured in hell because she ultimately wanted that to happen. It's a darn good point. And I guess maybe a particularly Asmodian way of thinking about it, but I am having a hard time arguing with them that they are not subjected to a tyranny that she has birthed. Yeah, I don't know a lot about her lore. I'm assuming she's more constrained than Yahweh, or she wouldn't need all these sub-gods. But um, yeah, he, he does say this out loud. He's trying to explain to her like the difference between, you know, here's what you were taught in school. Here's the real the real business. Hmm. And the real deal is like, yeah, he does it. He, you know, our, people think As- Asmodeus is like the god above all gods. But no, he's just following orders and doing what he needs to do, just like the rest of us. And, yeah. you know, he fell in line and we fall in line behind him. Um, he's not at the the whatever top of the pecking order. Uh, yeah. I, the, the whole, the whole uh, discourse here is actually kind of fun. He has this, um, he, he dives into the aspects of what Asmodeus values. Mm-hmm. And I think here he's talking about uh, just, what was it? Torture. Yeah. I'll have to find the four that he lists out again, but it's like torture, uh, pride, slavery, and something tyranny, else. It was tyranny. tyranny, slavery, pride, and Crap, what was the I last think it is one? torture. Is it torture specifically? Yeah. Hmm. I, I think because he says at some point, like, if you think you might, you know, if you if you find yourself like already oh, liking yeah. that, that's probably your actual, you know, inclination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. But here, here he's talking about torture and he's saying there are many souls in Chaliax who would enjoy holding the whip because they are sadists, because they delight in causing others pain and crushing them below. That doesn't make them Asmodeus's rather than Zon Kuthans. Uh, but some souls in Chaliax enjoy holding the whip more when they're doing it to enforce the rules. You might even say that they need to be that they need to be there. Wait, <laughs> you might even say they need there to be rules and need there to be some higher tyrant above them. So they're being more than just sadists. If those yeah. souls have enough potential to be worth empowering Asmodeus chooses them for his own to be his cleric and grants them in his domain of tyranny. Oh yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's, that's tyranny, not torture. It was, it was tyranny, slavery, pride, and this thing they called 
compacts, which is not oh, the same thing as yeah. contracts. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's right. Seems like contracts, but evil. Remember, like, way early on when uh, Abaddon was making a deal with Asmodeus and Asmodeus committed to making the deal by just, like, showing the part of himself that would do the deal? Uh, Abadar, but yes, I remember that. That was cool. Oh, was that the one that showed the... Was that the one that showed his, whatever, compactingness? No, no, no. Uh, you, you said Abaddon rather than Abadar. Oh, right. Abaddon was I, the Knight of Hell. Um, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, but that so the, the the you're right the compact the deal making that that is core to who he is. You're right. So tyranny, uh, torture is a tool of tyranny. Fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it's funny because he talks about that like you know they're doing it to enforce the rules, mm-hmm. and that that does kind of seem to grant a higher purpose to it. Mm-hmm. And that's all well and good. But even the high priestess said she was going to go home and set people on fire just for stress relief. <laughs> that's right? true. She's not. She's yeah. not enforcing any rules. She's just I, unwinding after a long day. <laughs> well, maybe maybe there's certain people that broke some rules, and so she's going to personally torture them to unwind and relax. Like, it's, it, it's a job that needs to get done, you know? Might as well be me that does it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, there was a Futurama way early, like in the first few seasons, when they have to hunt penguins on Pluto. And <laughs> no one likes hunting penguins, but if you have to do it, you might as well like it. <laughs> awesome yeah no i really enjoyed this breakdown of what tyranny is that the important part is is reinforcing a structure and knowing your place within the structure and like working for those above you and tyrannizing those below you and the the order of it rather than just the sadism it's uh what was it? I think uh, it was speaking of a devil that the devil was not just lawful and evil, but delighted in law turned to the purposes of evil. Oh, that was when he was talking about compacts. Mm. Uh, it was because compacts are like contracts, but that fuck people where they, they use the law to hurt someone. And I mean, I think that's the best description of lawful evil I've ever read. It, it makes me finally understand why lawful evil is different from the other types of evil. Yeah, it's it's not without purpose. And you know, it's I could yeah, I could imagine yeah. Voldemort like just for fun throwing some high powerful artifacts into a village and then giving them a month and then going in there to try and kill everybody just for fun. Oh yeah, Voldemort was chaotic as fuck. Exactly. So that that's I'm drawing that as a difference. Um, mm, so yeah, yeah, he's 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 capital E evil, but he wasn't he wasn't really going for lawful evil. Yeah, I felt like he totally had it in him, but that wasn't what he was going for. Yeah, he would he would not have delighted in in crafting a contract that would fuck people. He he would not be happy with a structure where he was not able to do whatever the heck he wanted. Yeah, that's true. I liked it. Anyways, I, I, this is a great description about lawful evil. So then he's saying, oh yeah, this, I did have it wrong. Tyranny, not just rulership. Slavery, not just obedience. Compacts, not just deals. Pride, not just self-value. Maybe all of those will appeal to you, maybe only one, but you must have a great potential for at least one. If I'm not entirely mistaken about the meaning of hell's translated will of, will of Asmodeus conveyed to you. And I just wanted to flag that as important. That seems like these are the four pillars of the foundation of their whole society, right? Yeah. And it's kind of fun because, you know, the muggles running around out there, they think it's just about, you know, being a slave and not getting your ass whooped and stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. And hurting people when you get a chance. But, like, no, the, the real the real deal is is these, right? Yeah. And I like that it, it emphasizes, you know, not just this, not just that. He, he's trying to say these are, in fact, well, I guess they're all they're all the beginnings of sentences, but they're all capital T, capital S, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they probably would be even if he wasn't starting a sentence with them. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Yeah, they it was it was a good good summary of the pillars, and we needed to pull it out for that reason. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I don't have any particular note that pulls this out because it was more of a vibe, a Carissa vibe, rather than any one specific thing. But as we were reading, did you get the feeling that her thing is slavery? That that is like what she's really into. I think so. I think I think he says the same thing actually. Okay, yeah, because she gives off strong Hermione vibes, and Hermione also was very much into <laughs> into being obedient and deferential to authority. I think maybe not necessarily slavery, but I think that also works very well for Carissa because if uh, Keltham is the Dom Sadist type, then for her being the slave sub masochist type would just be kind of you know perfect, and it will be true love for sure. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't put it together that way. I pictured her as a slaver, not a slavey. Uh, I I think of her as a slavey. I think, well, that actually makes sense, because he says that if it seems stupidly obvious to you that slavery is the way to go so far, that's not unsuggested, unsuggestive of an aptitude for it. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's what he thinks of slavery. He thinks of the slave masters, but then he specifically gives her the story about the um, the cleric, well, not the cleric, the, the bed slave who was a total sub and Asmodeus was like this is the best sub I've ever seen he is now a cleric yeah and so this is something that they don't tell the the general populace they don't, I think they don't even tell it to lower level clerics because uh, mm-hmm. it's too confusing they, they don't they think about I'm assuming that when they think of slaves or slavery they think of being slave slavers right yeah and so he he gives this example of uh, this yeah some guy who was uh uh, bed slave to some noble and then he gets clericked and everybody f- loses their shit. Uh, yeah. And I thought that it was like, oh, okay. It, presumably demonstrating that being good on the receiving end of, of things that as always cares about is a, important to him too, not just giving it right. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, but Ferrer then says that uh, something, something that gave the impression that he thought it was just because Asmodeus just liked him. Um, but maybe I misread well, I- that. I, he did say basically that, but I think his implication was we were shocked that Asmodeus liked him, but I think it must be because he likes people who are really good at being on the receiving end of slavery too. And we did not know that before this, and we do not want the public to know it. It's weird that they don't want the public to know it because then they could have a lot more happy, willing slaves. I don't know. Maybe if you're a happy, willing slave, that's unchillaxish. Chillaxish? Unchillaxian? It, it might just, it, yeah, it might shake the, fun, you know, the societal order. It might be Asmodian, but it might not be Chillaxian, right? Ah, yeah, good point. And you're right, he does think, but he doesn't say. He says, or he thinks, it is, in particular, obvious to him that Savar may perhaps have the nature of a slave rather than a slaver, given there some thoughts go. in her recorded file. Right, I read that at, at least twice, because I remember reading a lot of what he said twice, and I just kind of completely missed that, so... This was really cool. He says those with deep Asmodian senses of pride have a felt sense of the order of the universe itself being disrupted when somebody fails to give them their due, or when people weaker than themselves <laughs> seem to be raised above them. They are not simply defending themselves from insult or seizing an opportunity to take somebody else's position. They are resort they are restoring the order of the tyranny <laughs> itself in face of the disorder that is a weak, unworthy person occupying a position of power or esteem. I thought that was really neat. I, I like that variant on pride. It makes the pride seem slightly better. S- slightly more noble. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say noble, but yes, it does. You know, it's the kind of thing I could imagine a very prideful person thinking to themselves while, you know, when they're beating somebody back down beneath them. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just restoring the natural order. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I'm sure people have said that while they're, you know, dragging someone to, you know, a beating, right? Absolutely. Assuredly. Yeah. But that's, there, there's a difference between just saying that and really feeling that in your bones. You don't get clerics unless you really feel it in your bones. Yeah. Asmodian isn't just like, uh, or Asmodius isn't just a, uh, a big bully, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who at least keeps his word, he, which is kind of how I was modeling him before. He's, he's evil as all hell, but he's nuanced. Yeah. I think honestly, because these are all gods, I bet every single one of them can make their thing seem noble and awesome. Like if we were to read, uh, Eliezer and Kelsey going on about, um, the chaotic evil God of just rampant random destruction, there would be some way that it would be like, this is the noble fruition of what nature actually should be or something you know something that would be like oh yeah that's awesome only through unpredictable unpredictable adversity can true strength you know arise or something right yeah sure that would work you know there's always some spin and the you know Mm -hmm. it it is cool because it it adds uh depth to these things they're not one-dimensional yeah and i just like i like those sorts of noble feelings that uh are the domain of many religions where sure you're doing a thing but you make it feel really cool and altruistic and higher purpose when you're doing it Right. Okay. So Carissa, she's saying uh, what she's trying to figure herself out. What is she interested in, in Asmodianism that makes her different from the Aksumites? And she says, I'm not pointed in thinking children should decide whether they go to school or spend all day lounging around eating sweets. And I know we're all children. Chaos, liberalism, non-lawfulness is just letting the kids do whatever. And we're all kids, which is why we need to be told to do things we don't want to do and maybe punished if we don't do the things that we need to do, just like children are. And Fair says, it seems stupidly obvious to you that slavery is the way to go, uh, which is his interpretation of if kids aren't are doing things that are bad for them, you force them to do things that are good for them, like go to school. I personally love that school specifically <laughs> in right here is called out as a manifestation of slavery. I applaud that, and I probably shouldn't be applauding things that Asmodian clerics say, but yeah, fuck school, fuck that slavery bullshit. Seconded, but I'll just mention that school in Chelyax is way worse than school here. Well School here yeah. might might suck. But yeah. no one no one's getting set on fire for answering the question wrong. That's true. Although they might get get ridiculed, even by the teacher. So Yeah, but being set on fire, I think, is just objectively worse. Oh, true. But since you can't get away with that, you know, I'm just saying what what the, you know, corollary modern day uh, America would be. Right on. Uh, Carissa is talking about Keltham and how freaking amazing he is at drawing inferences. Uh, She says that Keltham inferred that no one would indicate how they felt during sex by looking distressed if they did not like what was being done to them. He automatically assumed that we wouldn't want that and concluded instead that we must have some complicated way of communicating that information. I was uncertain whether to make one up or to try to explain to him that normal people don't just worry very much if their sex partners are invisibly distressed. Which, first of all, ew. But second of all, I'm really glad this was spelled out because I completely missed that. Did you miss that in the last reading? Uh, she kind of ran off in a hurry. Um, I think it was there and I just skimmed past it because it was the last few sentences. But yeah, I mean, if we both can't remember it, it might not have been there. So maybe it was right at the very end. So for whatever reason, I I missed it, but I did not pick that up at all. So I'm glad that Chris laid it out a second time. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So yes, Keltham Keltham is um, worried that he won't be able to tell when people are in distress when they're having sex and that is why he was turning down Carissa, because he was like, look, I'm worried that if you're in distress, I won't be able to tell. 
Right. And she was just struck, stuck trying to think of like, look, no one here gives a shit if you're uncomfortable or if people are uncomfortable about that. Uh, yeah. But she's like, oh, that's an evil thing. And that'll, that'll weird him out. Better think of a, a spin on this. Right. Yeah. And he she, might she see couldn't, you or she something. couldn't sufficiently model a good person, how they would explain the behavior that he's observed. So mm-hmm. then, oh yeah. And she says, uh, I'm separately worried that if I sleep with him, which I really like to, and then later explain the thing where some people solve the inference problem by simply not caring how the other party is doing, then he'll, he won't endorse having slept with me without knowing that. I like that. Cause it was like almost a good thought, <laughs> but she's concerned with her own future benefit from being near him. Not like how he's doing for his own sake. I mean, maybe she does secretly have this thing where she's secretly good, but can't admit to it. So, I mean, she, the, the one big piece of evidence that we have for that is that she seems to think that it's unfair that women all over the planet get the, get the shit under the stick, right? I don't think it's just that. I think basically everything we've seen about her makes me think that she's secretly good. She's talked about torturing people and not, In, not pulling her punches. Reasons, because uh, she wants to get better at being evil. Sure. I mean, I don't know if... Uh, I'm not a I'm not a D and D expert, but I feel like that a good person wouldn't do that. <laughs> wouldn't try their best to be super evil. Um, That's just because she's such a good person. She's always trying her best to be evil. And you know, maybe if she was more evil, she would have to try so hard. Hmm. Yeah. So could be, could be. Going back to the uh, tyranny thing, the Asmodian style of tyranny is not about spreading around responsibility, so nobody seems to be at fault for making bad decisions. Those are weak tyrannies. There must be a single decision maker on point, as is both efficient and Asmodian. That's relatively admirable, you know? Like, at least, if you fuck up, you are held accountable for it, and you get the good parts of a tyranny instead of just the bad parts. Yeah, I think um, there's pros and cons to that. It's definitely, you know, I like where somebody's at fault and they can't say, well, it was a, it was a group decision. Nobody really pulled the trigger on it, you know, and just him and Hob when things go bad. Yeah. Um, on the other, on the other hand, sometimes things should be group decisions, you know, but then maybe it's like, you know, the person in charge can choose to consult the group or not, but they're going to make the call. Right. Right. AKA I mean, the party I leader. I don't want to be arguing for tyranny here, but uh, if you are going to be having a tyranny, having a actual tyranny where the tyrants are held responsible, is much better than one where they can just do whatever they want and never face any consequences for bad decisions. That's a good point. Well, uh, I mainly bring that up because this is uh, what is said to her just before she is made head handler of Keltham. Uh, she is read in on all the secrets they know about him, and she is now told, hey, you're the person who makes decisions about Keltham. Do that good, or we're going to die, and probably you will too. Yeah, he was trying to decide if it was going to be Elias or her. And Elias, when he's like asked, you know, how do you explain Keltham's behavior? And he's like, he's just insane. Yeah. And it's like, okay, since I'm pretty sure that's not the case, it means that you're not modeling correctly. At least Carissa knows she's confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I liked that. And I loved his, if you fuck it up, or if you fuck up, it'll be your head on the chopping block, followed immediately after mine for, for choosing you. And since I do value my head, I'll get you your fucking intelligence headband. <laughs> and it's like, yay. That was great. But win for her. All she had to do is come the linchpin, linchpin in their plan to milk Kelvin for all he's worth. Yes. I really liked this whole section of this chapter because, like, a lot of things happened. She got put in a more dangerous position, but she gets more responsibility. We get a lot of plot development and seeing how things have been developing behind the scenes. It was it was really interesting. I like this. Yeah, same here. It was uh it was fun. She just ran off and did all the like the secret stuff that involved, you know, hierarchy changes and then went right back to go cuddle on the roof, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh 
I, I think he's right. Like, like, like I said, I think that she doesn't really understand him, but she's ahead of anyone else. Yeah. Um, and I liked Farrah's next thing. He says, if there's an Asmodian subdomain for obsession with intelligence headband and uh, obtainment, verging on suicidal lemminghood, Savar is truly the his prophet already. <laughs> Remember when uh, in episode zero, um, when when Miranda was telling us that yeah, a possible name might be something like we need headbands. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Because <laughs> people are go. so obsessed with headbands in this in this book. You know, I, I get it. That would have been a good name, too. Mm hmm. <laughs> Uh, headband obtainment verging on suicidal lemminghood (laughs) (laughs) and like i think like her little cutaway was just like yay (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah that was cool um and then elias says safar can explain how sex works to him even though or sex sex works to him though she should mind her tendencies towards female victimization flavored heresies Mm -hmm. and carissa thinks hey no no he's right she should mind that Mm. i was like hey fuck you both of you guys how yeah. is it heretical to be honest about the fact that women got the sh- got the the shit end of the deal here right it, right, it looks right. bad for that pharaoh guy uh well no because the heresy is against asmodianism and the pharaoh is not uh an asmodian oh i know but but i'm i'm i'm, I'm just trying to think of like you know maybe they like that he had slaves or something right but right it, yeah i it it doesn't this seems like uh It'd be heretical to to say, you know, that Ptolemy's has a lot of has a lot of good points, right? That sounds like heresy, and that's yeah, that's a yeah. truth, right? Um, yeah. But this is like what your female victimization flavored heresies. Uh, I mean, we we don't know which heresies specifically they are, since he's like talking about this general category of heresies. But like, we can kind of imagine, right? Yeah, well, that, she's mentioned that, a couple times the the injustice that like most women can't have jobs and they just you know they get married off and have to have the kids that they don't want and you know it everything sucks for them right yeah but those are all things that are not true in Chelyax for the most part right no but it's her it's her sympathies towards that maybe yeah yeah there's definitely some some heresies that that she thinks and hmm. you know if you are a obedient person trying to be the best little asmodian you can be then you got to admit that oh yeah those those are technically heresies so i got to watch out for that there must be something wrong with those thoughts is it asmodian then to like subjugate women mm-hmm. i feel like it's it's, it's 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 just to subjugate somebody yeah i don't think it's women specifically then i don't see how it's heretical i think he's just being a dick <laughs> i well he's a fourth level cleric he should know if something is heretical or not they're, no no that they're... uh fairer is elias is just a mage oh oh you're right yeah, this still she says he's right. Yeah, that's that's why I said fuck her too, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll take her word for it. She you know, she's yeah. not a cleric yet. Maybe she's just uh used to listening to people. I, I'm just gonna believe them that there are some heresies that she is sympathetic towards that are uh in the shade of female victimization sucks kind of heresies. I mean, I don't I don't know what they are, and I agree with you that that stuff does suck. But yeah, fuck them both. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it shakes out, but we will. Farad then goes on to say, Asmodeus, help you and me, Savar. I'm making it your call. Your goal directives are as follows. Prioritize the amount of time we get before this falls down and Keltham breaks with us. Secondary priority, if possible, try to make Keltham think that he should take you or some other loyal woman with him if he leaves. Don't bother about Keltham's opinion of Chelyax after the whole thing blows up. He won't be happy. Ship sailed. Just make sure you get as much as we can before then. Yeah. I was going to type something thoughtful there, but I just put dang, because they don't even have a long-term plan here, right? Well, I right. mean, they're, they've already resigned to the fact, like, look, we've glimpsed enough of his nature to know that when he figures out what's going on here, which might not take that long, he's going to fuck right off. 
Yeah. He's going to be like, holy shit. I can't believe I taught you guys basic decision theory. You guys, right. you guys lose the war. I'm going to have to start. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so he's I kind of, they're, they're just immediately like, yep, it's all going to blow up. Forget that. Just try and make sure that you or someone else go with them. Yeah. I kind of like these sorts of games. I find them exciting. The like, get everything you can before it all blows up. Uh, reminds me of Forbidden Island. Really fun board game. And uh, I mean, shitty to do in real life, of course, but fun to see happening in fiction. Yeah. I'm, oh, for sure. It, it makes really compelling fiction, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm into it. it it's, uh, it's just interesting that they're so aware of this. They're not even thinking like, well, maybe we can win them over. They already know that they can't. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. But they're not, they're not deterred by that, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we'll have to get creative. Right. Do as much as we can. You know, in this quote that you pulled out, um, I was slightly surprised when I saw it that Ferrer says, I that he uh, tried to convince Kelton that he should take you or some other loyal woman, singular, not women, plural. Hmm. And I'm like, what, Ferrer, what, why do you not have faith in our man Kelton that he would not want to rescue his entire harem and bring them all with him? That's a good point. Maybe, you know, you're right. He should have said as many people as possible, but maybe it'd just be easier to have one tag along because then it's just one fewer people to let something slip that, oh yeah, by the way, I'm also super evil. Right. It it probably would be easier both for them and for, you know, for Keltham trying to rescue somebody uh, easier than rescuing 10 somebodies. But, you know, he's Keltham. He's going to try to save the whole the whole brigade, I think. And also, you know, then he has an entire harem of nubile teenagers. So what's not to like? He might conclude, though, that they're all evil, right? Well, he knows they're evil. He knows they're evil, but he might know he might when he comes to learn what evil means. Right, yeah. You might be like, oh, you guys are like bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least Krista, she seems nice. I'll take her with me. Right. But and he can't take Ione because she's tied to that library. Oh. To any library. Eh, I think it's probably that specific library. I could be wrong though. No, it was it was specifically a library. Like her bedroom could could work if if it if it became a library was a thing. Yeah. But it would, you know, it does it does seem like that would restrict her to travel. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he so now that they know this is what they're go um what they're going for, or now that we know that this is what they're going for, uh, Carissa says that she, he wants a headband, and Ferris says, "Carissa, Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> I don't care what Keltham wants. I care how much we get out of him. You don't just tell me what he asked for anymore. You tell me what happens if I say yes, which is you know this is the." direct immediate consequence of her getting promoted to the new position she has upgraded duties don't just tell him what he wants tell him the repercussions of saying yes or no to this like that's pretty awesome she's now more agency in keltham's life and in the story and i like it a lot me too this is a lot just like getting responsibility at anything but i'm thinking specifically like in a in a work context right yeah, yeah. and it's like you know hey boss i noticed that this thing has a problem uh what do you think we should do um Rather than saying, "Hey, this thing got a problem. I fixed it. Here's what happened." You're you're now accountable. You're not trying to escalate to somebody else so that they can help. You're just kind of keeping them looped in or getting a resource from them that you need. And I think being- he also wisely points out that, like, if we give him a headband, he's going to figure the shit out faster. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let him try yours on. <laughs> <laughs> Remember back when I said that um, Keltham made the the jump to. You're not going to show me if you're in distress when we're having sex, and I don't want that, so I don't want to have sex with you if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says he came to that conclusion because he noticed that people were wearing fixed, cheerful expressions in class and went up to some theory about people and down again to how the, those kinds of people might be having sex. Carissa deeply wants to know this theory. <laughs> I, I, 
love that because that is that is a heck of an inference to like, oh, they're not showing distress in the classroom. Maybe this means they won't show distress in other places too, or they are showing distress just in ways I can't see. Like, this is the power of rationality, and it's awesome to see it in action like that. And Keltham just doing it casually without even re- realizing that he's doing it. It's just been a background part of his life for so long. It's natural for him to think this way and make these connections. And yeah, it, it feels cool to have it, to have the power of it shown like that. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it, what, what she, the power that she wants that, that, you know, he has is uh, the ability to notice connections between things, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. And I think this after she gets uh, Fox's cunning cast on her. Okay. Um, so like there's a whole chapter, but for, or there's a sub chapter heading for it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she's thinking like, I want to be able to think like him. He, so she's trying to run through like what she knows and he's surprised Biglarian. He's missing something. He under, uh, he under adjusts or over adjusts or adjusts along completely wrong dimensions, but he's notably must, he's notably much less wrong than he was a day ago already. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's the name of the thing. It uh, is the name of the thing. But also it's, it's, she's just noticing like, you know, he, he guesses in weird directions, but he's catching on so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's doing it with, I don't want to say with a purpose. Cause it, it almost doesn't feel like he's specifically doing it with a purpose. It's just natural for him to do that. It's awesome that that's just a, just a habit. Yeah, I agree. I, I was curious, you know, if you had any thoughts on the, like the difference between getting your wisdom boosted and your cunning boosted. I guess mm-hmm. that's not a very interesting question because the question answers itself. She had a boost to her an- analytical thinking and he had a boost to his, um, what is it? Reflective. Cycling around reflective. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Reflective thinking. Yeah. That makes sense. It was just kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming it lasted just a couple you know, maybe six minutes or so. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Cause it was, it, I thought it was going to last like the rest of the night, but then it was over pretty quickly. And uh, then she's got to go back up to the roof. Oh, but before she goes back up, she's it, it wears off, and at least her feeling tired and in a bad mood. Um, yeah. And she says that uh, she knows perfectly well how being smarter works, that it's a glimpse of a person you want to grow up to be, even if you have to be dragged kicking and screaming, because it's not always pleasant for tiny, stupid things that humans are to grow into bigger, smarter things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I liked that. I totally see how she's viewing it through her religious lens. Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of true in general, the kicking and screaming part being optional or, okay. you know, uh, occasional, but mm-hmm. there's also just growing up. I think so. So are you saying it's okay to sometimes experience suffering in order to become a bigger, smarter thing? Oh, that's why I said the kicking and screaming is optional. I guess what I just meant is that tiny, stupid things growing into bigger, smarter things, even if they don't necessarily want it, because... I can't remember if I ever had the thought as a kid that like, I don't want to grow up because like, I like not having responsibilities or something, mm-hmm. but that seems like a perfectly natural thought to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think once you're old enough to really know what that means, you're already old enough to have responsibilities, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just interesting. I, I thought that was just kind of a fun way to, to view it. I think the nice thing is that once you're an adult, you can continue being a kid as long as you take care of your responsibilities. I know like, there's a great? lot of aspects. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if I want ice cream, I can just have it. It's pretty cool. If I want to just have fun and not be serious for a while, as long as my shit's taken care of, I can do that. Yeah. Just Fuck being you know, serious. It's about having responsible fun. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I'm going to spend the whole day hallucinating, but I'm going to make sure the house is safe first. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then Kelton's back up on the roof and <laughs> um, I like his, his thinking patterns, even when he spells them out, like in a way that seems unnatural, but he, he's trying to, 
entertain dumb hypotheses just to kind of get the juices flowing about what the hell's going on here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, he's wondering if maybe Galarian just sort of collectively lacks the form of law-aspiring thought where if you have a problem, you try to think of a way you could rearrange reality such that you wouldn't have that problem anymore. <laughs> and like, he thinks, well, they have, I'm on the roof and they have stairs. So they solve the problem of how to get up here without <laughs> climbing. Maybe doubles told them how to do that, but mm-hmm. he, he acknowledges that that's absurd, but he just likes, you know, again, trying to chase the idea of grab a, an absurd uh, theory and just see what, what it could, what, if it, if it, if you can wring any juice out of it. Mm-hmm. But I, he, I think we use this a couple more times in the next notes, but just the idea of rearranging reality such that it's in a more desirable state. Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly what it means to do anything, right? Um, I, no, I don't know. I don't think so because a, a lot of, I mean, even I do this a lot where I just kind of do the same thing to, to solve my problem day in, day out. And like maybe six months later, I'm like, hold up a minute. I could optimize this in a, fairly simple way if i just put my mind to it and put a few hours labor into it and then this problem is solved forever why didn't i do this months ago instead of continuing to do it the stupid manual way and i think a lot of humanity for all of history has been like that and what he's talking about here is actually pretty rare okay see i i was i guess there's a strong and a weak version of it like the weak version i just did where my feet were cold i put on socks like just now while you were talking yeah i I rearranged reality into a state where now my feet will be warmer than they were 30 seconds ago yeah, but you already had socks. Like, what if you had to invent socks first? That's exactly. much harder. Yeah, yeah. so the, this is the kind of thing where it's like, okay, I've got a, a recurring problem. And, you know, how do, how do I fix this thing that... That's where, like, I, I, I'm still training this habit with me, and I think I'm getting better at it, of when I find an annoyance, I try to flag that. as like, can I actually just fix this? Mm-hmm. Or is this just a thing I have to do every day? Or put up with, or whatever, right? You know, a thing that you told me in our most recent uh, Baze Blast that is really cool is that you can just, when you have an annoyance, type into chat GTP, uh, basically what you said, is this a thing I just have to deal with or is there some easy way to fix this? And uh, chat GPT will just tell you if there's a known easy way to fix it already. Oh, yeah. I don't know if we were recording that part, actually. So the, the one sentence oh. summary of that is I've got a, a persona, because David Yusef helped put me onto the wisdom of using personas for like prompt en- engineering. So my Tim the Toolman Taylor uh, GPT instance, uh, I wanted to re- like redo the grout of the shower. This isn't one sentence, sorry, but it's a quick thing. And I was going to do it one thing at a time. And it's like two inch hexagons. And I was like, there has to be a better way, right? And it's like, oh, totally. Get get some like resealer, renewer stuff or whatever. I forgot what it was called. It was 20 bucks at, at, at the hardware store. Mm-hmm. And it sat on there for three days and it took a long time to kind of scrape off the tiles and stuff. But damn, it's Arctic white between those things now. So nice pretty cool yeah uh, so yeah anything yeah, that noisy try and just find a find a solution sometimes there isn't one but you're sometimes you know there might be but it's like super prohibitively hard right but yeah. you don't know until you look it's just a great friction remover and everybody should use chat gpt a little bit more than they're using it yeah I, probably if, if everybody if you haven't used it at all and you're listening to this you're you're missing out give it a shot yeah well, speaking of those words that he's saying, uh, Carissa comes up to him on the roof and he turns to her and he's kind of, he feels melancholy to me in this scene. So he says to her, I reacted to this when he was cold. I reacted to this unsatisfactory state of reality by visualizing alternative and better ways reality could coherently be and seeing if any of those alternate alternative states of affairs were attainable by my actions, which led me to asking a security officer if there was any magic for staying warm. And I... I don't know, maybe I'm reading it wrong. It feels to me like he's kind of like melancholy and he's trying to relate his internal state, which is very hard to relate 
um, in a humorous way, like kind of joking about it, like, haha, I had this big, long, complicated thought. Isn't that kind of silly? But, you know, also, this is what I had to do to get through this, to get to this. But I, this, this, it feels like he just has not picked up on any of the relating to normie sort of people skills. Like he just, he does not have the vibes of talking to people down. This is a long, awkward sentence and doesn't help people relate to him the way he was hoping that it would uh, as, as Carissa, you know, immediately relays back to him when confusion, she's like, uh, okay, whatever you say, uh, not, not exactly that, but basically that gist of it. And I kind of feel bad for him. And I know he's only been in this weird alien world of dumb people for two days, but it's been tens of thousands of words for us. And I'm starting to be like, please catch on Keltham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I couldn't tell if to read that like in a way, like I'm sure Harry at some point said something like that in a joking way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't tell if, I'm, if I should read it in Harry's voice or in like a, you know, he is just kind of lamenting on the fact that, you know, he, he he's verbalizing a very long way of saying, I got cold and turned on the heater. Um, yeah. But his, his really long way of saying it was reflective of like him just wondering, like, I wonder if these words will mean anything to her because I, I am toying with the hypothesis that you guys just don't do this. Oh, and then she replied with these words don't mean anything to me. And he feels even more bad. Well, so she thinks that. She says, like, what is that supposed to mean? And then she, she replies, well, I've reacted to the unsatisfactory state of reality where I had no idea to communicate with you about sex, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so she, so she, she reiterates the same sort of thing, but he's kind of right that she, I mean, the thing is they are doing that, right? And what she says is true too. Like mm-hmm. she, she did the same thing, you know, the, the same thought process led him to seek more heat. Uh, she, she did to seek more wisdom. And you know what? She milked, she, she got more juice. She squeezed more juice out of that, uh, that tool than he did in the last few minutes. Right. Right. He got and less cold like, and she got a promotion and a, and a spell and a promise of a headband. So, <laughs> Oh, Oh, that's what you meant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was thinking in terms of like relating to her, like he would have done much better if he said I was cold. And so I went and found someone to cast a warm spell to make me warmer. But these are the thoughts that I had at the time and actually laid out what was happening inside of him rather than delivering this sentence just cold to her in, in a way that wh- what does she have to grab onto here? That is uh, unless you already speak his language, which she doesn't, there's nothing there for her to, to grasp. Yeah. It's, you know, th- I'm not sure if, again, if he's being melancholy or if he's trying to be playful, because it does go right back to playful after this. I think he is. I just think he doesn't know how to do it with non Dathalani people. That's true. But like I said, I think because for us, it's been three months and for him, it's been two days. Yeah. So, so I think, I, I, yeah, we're just kind of like, we want him to get with the program, but he's, he's picking up pretty fast for how long he's been there, but we've been here a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does say that, uh, I do not in fact understand the thought process whereby this was a sufficiently worrying thought that you needed to consult your best local equivalent of a keeper, but it's okay that I don't understand that. I don't expect to understand everything for a fair while. And this combined with the prior thing we were just talking about, like, I feel really bad for Keltham after this section. He's so alien and alone in this world, and he can't even talk to people, and he doesn't understand why they're doing these things. But he's just like, you know, it's okay. I don't I don't have to know everything. I don't have to understand everything. I'm floating and trying to pick up what's happening. It's just got to be so lonely. Yeah, true. But he's, he's acknowledged that loneliness already, and I wouldn't feel too bad for him. He's about to have sex, so... 
<laughs> I hope he finds some refuge within her warm insides. That's a gruesome way of putting it, but <laughs> or graphic I, way of putting perhaps, it, rather. Perhaps I will edit that out then. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just how I took it. Maybe you'll find, maybe you'll find some warmth in her embrace. <laughs> well, sure, sure. The yes, the embrace. I knew you were going to finish that sentence. You can. You can go ahead and finish. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we both know what I'm thinking. All right. Well, then we will we'll push through to uh, now. They're back to like doing their jokey, sexy talk, right? I can't remember if you're like he asked if she can turn into a dragon or something, and she's like, "Well, as a mere third circle wizard, I can turn into any woman you've ever met or heard of, but only for six minutes, and they have to be humanoid." And I just gave a little Lenny face. I'm like, "Oh, great! That gives us four minutes to cuddle." Um, <laughs> But <laughs> nice. then as a prediction, he wants her to turn into Contessa, which I thought was that uh, Lithria, li, li, whatever, that demon's yeah. name, right? Yeah, yeah. But then I was right, because later on he says, and on my side, I can choose between flattering you by listening to women who look more like you or teasing you by listing, say, Lurelatha or wait, Lurelatha. Yeah. That's just designed to trip up the tongue, right? <laughs> it is. That's probably on they're purpose because it's a they're, demon they're, name. They're, yeah. Yep. They're torturing you even with their name. Yeah. He's uh, hey, remember that that giant sexy chick with the big with the big wings? Does that count? Um, Vast wings, yeah, just enormous, juicy wings, huge tracts of land. (laughs) Also, I thought it was kind of fun because I clicked the link to see because he describes his dream girl, some super medic, and it's a a character from uh, Miranda Swimmer nine six three's character Marin. Yeah, I actually recognize that because I've read a little bit of her Glowfic and I was like, oh, I know this person. And this is one of the great things about Glowfic and why I seriously understand why people love this um, format, even if it's hard to get into. There's just all these cross-references and you're talking about your friends and it's it's a very community-oriented myth building together. It's a cool feeling, right? Yeah, and for, uh, for a medium that has to be done online, you can link to stuff. Yeah. Other books have footnotes. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't just be like, click this and see what the hell I'm talking about. Oh, so Chris, so he talks about how they have uh, alien invasion like preparation festivals. Yeah, I love that that detail. I don't know how often they're done, but every so often they fake an, an alien invasion and also works as general military exercises. But you know, with a fun twist because might as well have fun while you're doing it, right? Don't be so fucking serious all the time. Yeah, it really is like a win-win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but she asks if they've ever done sexy alien invasion festivals. And they've done one. <laughs> of course. He says, it's absolutely happened on a citywide scale, but only in a city where everybody opted into that and all the underage kids got sent away for the day. Yeah. And I, I was, I, I use trigger in the playful way, not in like the annoying way. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder how young is too young for sexy well, alien invasion day. Obviously anything pre-puberty is too young. You think that's it? Or because I mean, they talk about not telling kids the basics of, of sex stuff until they get a chance to figure it out on their own or something. And that's usually mid puberty. Yeah. Uh, you could not opt into any sex stuff if you don't even really know what sex stuff is. I mean, it could just be like there's sex things going on, but like not like the entire city has to have sex. If it's a sexy alien where everyone's having fun. I wonder how good you would have to be at seduction to alien invade your way into taking over the world. Honestly, if an alien species seduced us into giving them power, I think they deserve it. Because that's a trade i'm probably willing to make that's a very asmodian thought of you <laughs> uh, what, what else are we fighting for anyway right right yeah i'm not saying I, i'm not saying i disagree with you yeah <laughs> this is the way i always kind of hoped it would end anyway exactly <laughs> yeah so he i can't remember the exact setup for this but they're talking about you know people older 
having more knowledge about this sort of thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, well, I already know where to put it. Unless people older than me have been hiding the real target area. <laughs> That's great. He's like, yeah, I've had sex with people that are older than me. Maybe they were trolling me, though. Damn it. Now I'm wondering, I've been doing it right. Oh, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, your wife, she's a prankster. Yeah, it's it's a trick this whole time. Yeah. She, Chris is doing the same thing. She's tricking him with this. She says, I think it's sweet how you, how you get angry about the women in the countries that don't let them do things. I get angry about that, but most people don't. And I think that I started feeling specifically fond of you as an individual instead of as a vehicle for the most important thing that I can reasonably do when you first heard about it and decided we should steal them. Yeah. Uh, I think she's just a sweet talking serpent. Um, oh, you are wrong, sir. She is a kind hearted, wonderful Hermione lady. I hope so. But evil. I that's that's just me. Tr- I'm still trying to shove that square peg into that round hole, but I do think that you guys are onto something <laughs> framing it that we'll way. We'll get a lot of that next episode. Um, yeah, you're right, because they talked about uh, the kind of sex that can break stuff. There was a line about, like, did I pull it out? Oh, yeah. If you've never broken a cuddling device you don't have a name for, you're not having vigor- vigorous enough sex. Right. I'm like, the fuck are they doing if they're breaking sex toys? I don't know. I think the... um speculation i saw on the discord was they are so suppressed in their sadism that they just keep having riskier and more vigorous sex until someone gets hurt and that's how they get off no one's willing to admit they're a sadist so this is how things always end up just <laughs> escalating too much i mean rolling your ankle or something or dropping somebody is one thing but what kind of sex toys are even breakable he does say they make more sturdy sex toys now but maybe <laughs> original flimsy plastic ones uh, a sex swing that isn't mounted very well i don't know these Dothalanians, their they're physics, they, they forget all the important rules when they make their sex toys. I really like the fact that I think Carissa is sweet and Hermione-esque, but raised by Voldemort. And you think she is secretly evil. And this is this is kind of fun for me. She's explicitly evil. Okay. <laughs> Very well. I guess I should have said, I think she's secretly good. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I, just, just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not pulling this evil thing out of nowhere. You know, I, I did that, and that wasn't even yeah. out of nowhere. That was that was pretty well justified. But I, I have to right. be wrong there. Hopefully, I'm wrong here too. She is literally confirmed as evil by magic, and she's trying to get betterer at the evil. Yeah. Well, and yet, yeah. While they're talking about this, Keltham drops the word "plausible deniability," which is many syllables in our tongue, but on Teldane, it has a single syllable word for it, which is he thinks that's helpful. That is pretty cool. Uh, I. I don't actually wonder what it is because it doesn't matter. I do like that world building detail that like, Hey, this is a word that uh, he's constantly needing to say like 15 syllables for things that are two or three syllables in his tongue. But here's one where uh, this concept is used so much in their world that there's just a single syllable word for it. Yeah. He thinks that it's helpful and he doesn't stop. I guess because right now he's actually deliberately directing his thoughts away from things that are distracting from fun sex stuff, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't think about the implication that they have plausible deniability as such a, foundation to their thinking that it takes one syllable to think it i think as soon as we saw that line oh it has a single syllable word for that that it registered for him and he knows this is there's a number of things that kind of were casually commented on and i think we were just like it's interesting that he didn't take notice of that and then you know a chapter or two later we learned that he's been that's been in his model for the whole time since he noticed that and we're like oh okay he's just very casual about how smart he is so i, I think he immediately grokked all the implications yeah i think you're right and like i said there's one point earlier on where he says nope gonna derail that thinking because i'm thinking about fun stuff right now or something so 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking about the derailing thing, though, oh, my God. He, he says the thing about, I hope you don't turn out to be asexual. And then she goes, I don't know what that is. And then he gives an explanation. And I'm like, oh, my God. Go fuck. I am so frustrated by you guys constantly going back to talking about anything but fucking. Like, just get get to the fucking monkey already. Also, isn't she demonstrably not? Not what? In, not asexual? She's described having fun, having sex with people. He, I, I think he, they were joking at the time because she said, don't turn into a red-haired girl with fangs or something. Exactly. And then he got to, he's like, all right, well, I got this one on you then. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, that was cool. Yeah, but then instead of just like, I got this one on you and like, ha very cool. We both got a thing on each other. They go into this whole long explanation. And again, like, drifting away from the sexy talk. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm slightly frustrated this be- by this because I tend to do this myself sometimes. Like I'm on a date or whatever. And I get so interested in like some other something that the person is talking about. I'm like, oh, cool. I want to know more about that and dig in on it. And, you know, two hours pass and there hasn't been really any flirting or sexy talk at all. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. I fucked that up, didn't I? <laughs> so don't, don't be like me, Keltham. Damn it. <laughs> Get to the seducing. Learn from my mistakes, young man. <laughs> yes. She, so she talks about like luring people into your cuddle room under false pretenses to surprise them with tickle machines. Hmm. I wouldn't have believed you have capable of it. And now I'm delighted to be wrong. Like they're just nerds. This, this, that was actually kind of adorable. Yeah, they're having fun banter. Yeah. Keldum says, For sex and glarian as practiced by someone who can afford healing spells, I would say that if you've never broken an ankle during sex, you're not trying sufficiently precarious sex positions. I think they're just they're doing whatever, you know, gigantic cultural divide version is of trying to teasing sweet, romantic, jokey, whatever, flirty. Because mm-hmm, that sounds remarkably uncomfortable. If you're doing a sex thing that will like that could break your ankle, it's gonna hurt before that, right? I mean, maybe you're doing like in a really precarious position, like one foot on the counter, one foot on the kitchen table. It's kind of rickety. You're leaning backwards. I I could see how like it's not painful beforehand and just like something slips. That's a good point. He keeps ruining my use of the word boop. (laughs) So the whole tickling thing, he says he visualizes tickling being an erotic thing and boops the insane internal part that was booped by the hair pulling. Check. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently he's into tickling too, which I, it's fun and, you know, playful, but it's never really been part of a sexual context for me. Um, yeah. Me neither. I kind of hate tickling. Yeah. It's kind of, a, it's a little, I'm actually pretty good at like just locking that down when someone's trying to tickle me. Um, yeah. Because then they get bored. Exactly. Like, oh, you're not ticklish. And you're like, yeah, damn straight. I'm not ticklish. I'm just, I'm good at controlling it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you were dying inside the whole time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but they, uh, yeah. oh, Two seconds and three zippers later, Keltham is displaying the Dothalani male version of plunging cleavage. Yeah. And I wish I knew what that was because I am, is morose a, a word? I'm bummed at yes. the fact. Yeah, I knew, I thought it was that there is sexy clothing for girls, mm-hmm. you know, tight stuff, shows off curves, whatever, right? Yeah. They, like there's suits, there's, you know, nice fitting button up shirts or whatever. But as far as I understand, there's nothing quite like a sexy lace bra for guys. My good Sir Stephen, may I introduce you to going to the goth clubs? Because you can absolutely get all sexy tarted up at the goth clubs. You wear awesome skin tight mesh. You wear like leather. You all sorts of things you can do. You always put on makeup, at least a little bit of eyeliner. Like there's, it's not something you can do like in public the same way girls can, but you can do it sometimes when you go out and it's awesome. All right. Well, it has been five years since I've gone, so it's worth trying again. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I guess I'm just thinking, like, you know, if all if either of our partners come home and take their shirt off and they're in a bra, boom, they're immediately sexy, right? 
Yeah. I, I just wish there was an equivalent for that. I have been told by at least a couple of partners that I should take my clothes off more often because they really like to look at me. So nice. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so there might be that sort of. Yeah. I think in Keltham's case, what he's saying is basically just, you know, like bare the chest a bit, show some ch- chest hair or, or, you know, some pecs or abs or whatever. That's a good point. And the little picture is, you know, shirt open or whatever, but she's also just kind of wowed at the uh, me- mechanical aspects to his clothing right? <laughs> right she's like oh my god i'm so turned on by zippers but i'm not going to talk about it right now all right i'll wait to ask about the clothes but that is really cool we'll circle back to that oh i think she even yeah. says like heads up i'm going to steal your clothes in the morning <laughs> yes yes <laughs> second to last line right yeah, yeah. oh oh so she's it, no, it wasn't on the discord i was remembering correctly she specifically says uh on galarian people who like to hurt people just do that so there's uh, and so there's less suppressed sexual tension pushing them towards bafflingly risky and furniture-destroying sex acts. <laughs> so yeah, she gets it. And I'm glad that she feels like she can say it out loud to Keltham and just be like, yeah, you're fucked up in this way. And that it means that they are close enough now that they can they can exchange those sorts of observations. Yeah, they're, uh, they're crossing that cultural divide. Yeah. Also, you, you mentioned that picture of him with like his shirt down. Where he looks kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I was going to say, is it just me or, or did Elias do the thing where he picks the most awkward, ridiculous picture he can? It's This like, is like, like a, it a is... discount version of the guy who played Elvis in the Elvis movie. Yeah, it yeah. is It is like anti-sexy. And I'm sure he could have found an actual sexy picture if he wanted to and had to maybe go looking for this anti-sexy one. Maybe. Since I have no idea who this guy is or what he's in, maybe this is the best shot. But, uh, you know, it also, you know, it's the closest you can get to whatever demonstrating a zipper, even though that shirt has buttons. Right. And I, I, I really hope that I am not just have, have very different taste for most people. And I'm saying, Oh my God, this guy looks ridiculous when that's not the intention, but it is, it is a anti-sexy face cast pick right there. Right. I honestly don't like the, I don't, I don't think the guy is that attractive at all. Um, okay. So it, none of them are, are landing for me. I think like, you know, and it's, it's the faces and stuff, but a lot of them are kind of goofy expressions. Um, yeah. You know, it, his serious face, his looking up face, like they're all kind of just weird little smirk, smirk faces. That's why I said, I think he intentionally picked things that are just slightly off and awkward to emphasize how awkward and alien he is. Positive intense one is a nice neutral face expression. Oh, here's a great one. What's this one? Uh, smile. That's good. <laughs> okay enthusiasm yeah so some of these you're right it's some of the like they're they're you're right there's definitely a range and it's got to be on purpose yeah um so yeah right on all right uh that brings us to the end they are going to be doing the kissy fun because she kisses him right at the very end here i mean finally you know yes in, in his defense he's only been there two days and he's already you know hooking up with people so right again it all has this weird undertone though and that's kind of it's, it's part of the fun and part of the um like the fact that it's not fully awesome and enjoyable, right? Because mm-hmm. there's these ulterior motives, there's subterfuge, which isn't something that you want during sex. In fact, she she went off on a whole thing on how do I hide this better, right? Yeah. Um, and it, and it it taints it in an interesting way, but it it will it's it's all on purpose, right? Yeah. It's not like uh, it's not all sweet and pure, like when um, like when June and Ben hook up for the first time. Yeah. So you know, it is what it is. I didn't take a lot of notes for this one. There, you know, other than the you know the side sidebar with uh the the priest there wasn't like a lot of development to talk about but i don't mind a shorter one we've had 
two hour plus episodes for the last couple of weeks. So yeah, it's I'm I'm happy with this too. I'm very happy to stop here and uh, call it call it a good episode. Sounds good to me. So let's see here. We have <clears throat> our last sentence. He is pretty sure Chris's evil answer, especially under her current circumstances, is that if he just wants to snuggle, him just snuggling is fine. Interesting. The note that I got is the next segment, the reading is all of the thread. Kissing is not a human universal. There is a subthread for people that prefer no explicit content. A safe for work summary is titled safe for work TLDR. Kissing is not a human universal. Sounds like we're definitely going to get some banging. I'm curious what form that's going to take. I assume there's going to be some penises involved and maybe a vagina. I, I, thank you. I, you know, I was pretty <laughs> sure I was doing it right, but it's good to have someone agree with me. <laughs> well, I, you were worried that maybe you'd been being punked this whole time. Maybe, maybe they'll, maybe they'll show us up, show us both up. But uh, yeah. no, I'm more like just interested to see how they're going to, you know, because one of the other things with this this whole medium is again the collaborative dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. They're just playing off each other the whole time. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. I think that, that that's kind of awesome. So it'll be cool to see again. I don't know if reading the sex scene will be, is supposed to be exciting or whatever, whatever the goal is going to be with that, but just seeing how they play with that is going to be fun. I am going to be disappointed if reading the sex scene is not sexually exciting. That's the point of explicit sex scenes. All right. Well then let's find out. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we will get our read on and we will reconvene in one week to see how we felt about all that. Peace out. Oh, wait, um, before we go, uh, give us money at the Patreon, (laughs) uh, like, and subscribe, you know, all those things. Go to Keiko Lakiam's GitHub for the reading segments. It's honestly, it has to be what Eliezer and and Kelsey would have done if they, if the Glowfic medium supported it. I I honestly feel like this this needs to be sent their way so they can be like, oh my God, thank you. We'll start linking our friends to this, right? Oh, I'm sure they've seen it by now. Oh, well, if not, we'll make sure. Y'all have fun. See you. And hopefully the reading is, is exciting for everybody. It's phrasing uh, intended. <laughs> and uh, see y'all back here next week. Bye.